Heavenly Father, as we now hear your word read and preached, may it cut to our hearts and transform us from the inside out, that we may truly love you and obey you as your holy people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, this morning we continue our series in James. And the Bible reading for this morning is James chapter 4 from verse 1 to 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You cover but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But it gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Last Sunday, we learned that there are two kinds of wisdom. One is of the world or of the devil, and the other is of God. The wisdom of God is all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The wisdom of the world is bitter, jealous, and selfish. The result of worldly wisdom is disorder and every vile practice. Following the wisdom of the world, not only causes ruin in ourselves as individuals, but also causes problems for a local church. Christian fighting with other Christians, divisions, hurt feelings, tension, and strife are readily seen by outsiders. The local church becomes dysfunctional as it cannot be a light in the community because individuals are too busy fighting with one another. 
Here in chapter 4, James is going to further identify the sinfulness in their lives that is causing these problems. So he begins by asking, what causes fights and quarrels among you? James is likely writing this having in mind all the fights and quarrels that apparently were going on in these house churches. So he is addressing all these fights, personal attacks, accusations, slander, and probably just people talking bad about each other. The thing that we need to keep in mind is that even in churches where this doesn't seem to be a particular big problem, it is still something that must be guarded against. James began this section with tough language, noting the internal disputes within the house churches. There are fights and quarrels. The first term, fights, implies strong adversarial relationships of confrontational nature. The second term, quarrels, has a sense of verbal spats, nasty exchanges between rivals. James points to the root cause of these problems or troubles, your desires that better within you. James's point is don't look elsewhere for the source of your conflicts. Look within. The source is selfish, evil desires. Church fights often result from personal, individual issues from the strong will individual who has selfish motives and uh, tolerates no other opinions. Rather than forbid fighting, James go after the root causes behind these struggles, selfish, evil desires. The selfish, evil, lustful desires of some adversaries are so strong that they lead to killing. When James talks here about killing, it's likely that he's using some shock value in the same way that Jesus did in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22. Jesus taught that to be angry with your brother or sister for the sin just as murder. James is referring more to the harm we do to each other when we don't get what we want. We are murdering each other in our hearts. We are not loving our neighbor. We want something, but we don't get it. So we fight about it. What James is doing is revealing the malice and the animosity in some of these churches. This is a dangerous and regrettable situation. Brothers and sisters, unless you recognize the magnitude of this battle and the frightening fact that the enemy is not somewhere outside, but living within 
your body. You won't understand how serious your problem is. You will never defeat such a powerful enemy if you struck it off as no big deal. Next, James shifts his focus from the contentions and destructive desires of the adversary to another aspect of the problem, lack of prayer. The reader's personal rivalries are not getting them what they want. So they fight over things to satisfy them. We can interpret this to mean that envy and greed are the root problem. Verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. James teaches them that the underlying problem of an unanswered prayer is that their prayer requests are made with wrong motives. Their requests in prayer are for things that they may spend what they get on their pleasures. Yeah. Reflect their envy and jealousy. God will not honor prayers made from evil desire or selfish motives. To pray correctly, effectively, means the selfishness that is feeling the fighting must be quelled. Aligning prayer with the will of God will remove the motives tearing their community apart. Verse 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes on an, an enemy of God. From verse 4, James goes deeper into the cause of the quarrels and fights in the church. Where, where does this war in our hearts come from? Where do these passions of pleasure find that incentive? It is in the world. Friendship with the world is breaking the covenant we have with God. Friendship with the world is to be an enemy of God. What does it mean to have friendship with the world? James does not mean that you cannot have friends that are not Christians. This concept is not about individuals. Friendship with the world is to adopt the world's values and standards. It is to adopt what the world wants instead of choosing according to divine standards. Friendship with the world is to put our passions and desires ahead of the passions and desires of God. James uses harsh words to condemn the attitudes of those who live according to what the sinful world has to offer. He even calls those people adulterers. They are guilty of spiritual adultery. 
Those who love the world more than God are in fact spiritual adulterers. That is, they expect this world to give them everything things they need for body and soul. They pursue happiness in the wrong place. And they still call themselves and wish to be members of the church. They do not want to choose one over the other. They seek partnership with the world and also the covenant with God. But James leaves no room to doubt. This is impossible. Whoever is a friend of the world who seeks his happiness in worldly pleasures cannot also be a child of God. Whoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. A person cannot have it both ways. It is either God or the sinful pleasures of the world. You cannot have both. If we do try to have it both ways, then it is clear that the relationship with God suffers, to say the least. This is another warning that we should listen to carefully. It does not mean that we should isolate from the world altogether. This world, that this would make it impossible to do our jobs, to do our shopping, and to be a light for the world and a witness in the world. But we should, on the other hand, be careful that sinful worldly desires do not find their way into our hearts. If we do pursue only what this world has to offer, our relationship with God will suffer. And as a result, our relationships with each other will also suffer. James followed this with a rhetorical question. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? James probably, probably quotes Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 in a summarizing manner, not in a literal one. Do you think he asked that it is just idle talk when the scriptures say that God yearns jealously over us? In other words, God is not neutral about us and what we do. God is jealous. For us, for you. God does not want to share you with the world. He will not share you with the world. We understand it in marriage. When we marry, we are leaving family and friends at second place, and the marriage is where attention rests. Something is wrong with the marriage if you are spending time with every person but your spouse. In the same way, there is something wrong if you spend our, your time with every person but God. We are showing our friendship with the world. We are cheating 
on him rather than being united with him completely. He's jealous for us and will not accept second place. God will not accept our leftovers. Serve God completely or don't bother because he will not be the third wheel in our relationship. God created us with our best in mind. And he is passionate about seeing that his good will is done. He hates our destructive tendencies because he loves us wholly and completely. He hates to see the twisting and destruction of his good creation and one part of person turning against another. He will not stand idly by, content for us to do whatever with our lives. When he knows that, he has so much better in mind for us. He is for giving us life and will oppose our attempts to pursue what is what in the end only brings death to us and our relationships. God is jealous over us, ready to protect us and resist those forces that would come between us and him. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but show favor to the humble. As John tells us in the first chapter of his gospel, verse 16, and from his fullness have we all received grace upon grace. Here James tells us that God's response to our wandering back to the ways of the world is to give us more grace. His grace shows up in two ways. To the proud, God's grace is experienced as opposition. And to the humble, as more grace to be received from the hands of God. God will oppose our efforts to live in any way that is not out of trust and confidence in it. God will resist our resistance. He loves us too much not to. This, this church was hurting because of their fighting. And James tells them that they needed to submit to God. The world the word James used has a military background, used to describe the submission of a soldier to his superior officer. It means you take orders from someone higher, and that when you receive an order, you obey it. Submission is the active part of both humility and true repentance. And Christian submission is always both to God and to others. One cannot be truly humble before God while remaining proud towards others. 
Next, resist the devil. When you resist the devil and temptation, he will free from you. Resist is the opposite of submit. Resistance to the devil is refusal to submit to his temptation or his influence. The devil likes to start conflict. Conflict is what this church was facing. In this case, they were allowing the enemy to make them proud, make it seem like they had it all together, that they knew it all, and that it was their way or no way. People in their core do not want to be humble. We can only be humble with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what helps us not fall into our sinful nature or into the temptation of the enemy. That is why James also says, come near to God and he will come near to you. When you begin to come near to God, you will become more like him. You will realize how dependent you are on him. You can only come near to God when you have repented and let go of sin. He tells these people to cleanse their hands and purify their hearts. Our sin should not be taken lightly. As James tells us, we should mourn and weep over them. We should once again humbly repent. But better to, but better to mourn and weep over our sin now and live in the grace of God than refuse the grace and have to answer for our sin on judgment day. If we humbly repent before God, he will lift us up. Even after we have so often turned away. Thanks, to, thanks be to God. James closes this paragraph by telling them not to slander one another. The slanderer tries to defame others, tear others down. A slander judges another person. A slanderer's intent is not to bring others back into fear by speaking the truth in love. A slanderer's intent is to hurt. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. James said that when we speak against our brothers, sisters in Christ or judges them, we are trying to do something that only God has the right to do. We are placing ourselves into God's role, the one who is the judge. That's the point James is making in the last part of verse 11. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. As many modern translations such as Christian Standard Bible and English Standard Version put it, James reminds them there is only 
one, only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, to express it in other words, speaking against your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ is a sin. There's no way around it. It is sin. Those who judge others adopt this rule that belongs to God and God alone. God is our judge. We are not. In conclusion, James issues a warning. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Brothers and sisters, putting ourselves above God's law is a dangerous place to be. Only God is judge. Let's humbly repent, submit to him, draw near to him, and demonstrate God's grace and love to others along the way. That is the call of the Christian. That is what it looks like to be doers of the law. May the Lord help us. As we close, let me ask you a few important questions. First, do you have unfulfilled desires that are causing bitterness or resentment to grow? Take some time this week to pray through those. Submit them before God and ask Him to fulfill them. Give you patience to wait or transform your desires to be in line with his will. Second, when have you slandered someone? Do you need to seek their forgiveness or confess to them? Ask God to help you speak the truth in love and build each other up rather than tearing others down. Next, how can you draw near to God and resist the devil in your own life this week? How can you practice the humble repentance God asks of us? Finally, let me encourage you for the sake of the peace in the church. We must be thankful for the things that God gives us. The Lord God gives us so many things in the church to be thankful for. He gives love and respect and patience in the communion of saints here in Czech. But he also gives so much to each individual members of this community. Never forget to give thanks for what you receive, brothers and sisters. Do not ask for more than what God in his goodness wants to give you. Rather make sure that you grow in your relationship with God through prayer and Bible study. And as the relationship with God grows stronger, the relationship between brothers and sisters will also grow stronger because the love of Jesus Christ 
will reign in your hearts. And in that way, also find its way into the community of the church. Amen. May God bless you.